0: In 1984, a postal worker and father of three took his children from their home and brought them to a tiny comic book store in Lawrence, Kansas. One of those children would pick a single issue off of the shelf that would then begin a love affair with comics that's still going strong today, nearly 40 years later. And that comic was G.I. Joe number 25 from Marvel Comics. I think. I mean, my memory really isn't quite what it used to be. Anyway, what follows is the seventh installment in a multi-part series of episodes where I dive right back into my childhood with the comic book that started it all, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. There will be spoilers. Yo, Joe! We'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. I chose air! Let me clear my throat! There <laughs> is. I apologize for that, but I think you'll find this a bit more interesting. Mmm, drop? Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that's never had a sarsaparilla. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I'll be honest with you folks, I can't be 100% certain on that whole sarsaparilla thing. I mean, like I said, my mind just ain't what it used to be, and that's why I do episodes like these. Episodes that help me stretch my mind back to the days of yore when I was young and full of beans, back when I was reading G.I. Joe, which is, of course... What we're talking about today, more specifically, issue number seven of G.I. Joe, a real American hero. This issue was published by Marvel Comics with a cover date of January 1983, and it was written by Larry Hama with pencils by Herb Trimpy, inks by Chick Stone, colors by Christy Sheel, and the letters were by Jim Novak. And the issue is entitled Walls of Death. That. <laughs> That seems pretty ominous. So, if you remember in the last issue, cuz this is a two-part story and this is the second part to the two-part story, but in the last issue a Joe team that was made up of Stalker, Scarlet, Clutch, Steeler and Breaker, well they were sent into Afghanistan to retrieve a top secret Russian spy craft which had crash-landed in the Hindu Kush mountain range. They were met by the Russian version of G.I. Joe, the October Guard, and the two teams fought only to be waylaid and captured by Cobra, who it seems were given the information and location by a Cobra spy within G.I. Joe, who turned out to be none other than Colonel Hawk himself, who is the leader of the G.I. Joe's. And as the issue is ending, Cobra Commander had given the order to kill both the Joe's and the October Guard. And that's Well, that's never good. So we pick up with this issue. Cobra Commander is standing there in front of the Joes and the October Guard, and he's got a big old machine gun in his hand. And he basically does what all leaders of villainous organizations do, and that's uh, order the, 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 the termination of both teams by two, two soldiers. Basically, everybody there in Cobra who is, it's a lot of people because they overwhelmed both the October guard and the Joes. They're all going to leave. They're going to get on that big ridiculous looking RTV. They've also got their own vehicles. They're going to take away the big crate that holds the remains of the Russian spycraft. And he's just going to leave two guys behind to, uh, to kill the October guard and the Joes. And then once they're dead, these, these two meaningless little Cobra soldiers, who's actually their names are uh Copperhead and Rattler. They uh once they've killed the two teams, they're to get aboard the Vamp, which is the G.I. Joe's Jeep, and uh make up the rear guard of the Cobra forces that are heading toward uh something that they're just calling the stronghold. Well, that was their first mistake, of course, which is to just assume that the two guys that you have ordered to do something that they're just going to do it, that they're just going to get the job done and you don't have to worry about it. So you can turn your back on the whole thing and, 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 and walk away. The second mistake is that these two idiot soldiers, they wait until everybody's gone. It's just those two and then the two teams. And they're like, we're going to we're going to do this nice and slow. So they suffer. Well, of course, that's the third mistake. They start talking they don't just freaking mow them down. See, now, here's the thing, folks. If I was Cobra Commander at this point, I would have said, hey, uh, before we leave, why don't we get about six guys up here with machine guns and just, just mow them down? Heck, I got a machine gun. Brat, that 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 brat. That's the sound of a machine gun. Cobra Commander could have just mowed them down right there. Could have killed them all. But no, he leaves behind these two incompetent soldiers who start bragging about how they're going to take their time with all these uh enemy combatants. And make him suffer. And of course, as they're basically delaying what they see as the inevitable, we learn that Clutch has a little remote control device for the big two-barreled cannon machine gun thing on the back of the vamp. And he just uh, uses it to take out these two soldiers. That. Is You know, I've talked about it before in some of these episodes, but if your only experience with G.I. Joe is the cartoons, then you know that nobody ever dies. Nobody ever gets shot. Nobody, well, Duke almost died in the movie. But right here in one panel, two Cobra troopers taken out by a giant, high, large caliber machine gun mounted on the back of a Jeep. And it just shows them the 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 bullets just ripping through them and killing them. I don't know why I'm laughing about that, but that's that was GI Joe in the comic books. People died, and they were not afraid to show it. So the October Guard and the Joes they retrieve their weapons, and then they they get into an argument because both of them need to get back these the the pieces to this Russian spy craft. And actually, GI Joe was told before they left, and and Scarlet reminds Stalker of this that if they lose the cargo. They're supposed to break radio silence and contact Hawk to get themselves lifted out. But Steeler's like, or Steeler, cheese, but uh, Stalker's like, nah, I'm in charge here. We're going to get this thing back. And Colonel Breckoff of the October Guard, he agrees. He, he agrees. They have to get it back as well. And in fact, what he tells them is that if they go home empty handed, uh, they are going to meet a very ugly fate, which... Read between the lines, if they go back to Mother Russia without this spy craft, they're all going to be shot and killed. Again, I don't know why I'm laughing, but the October Guard and the Joes decide to team up. Well, not all the Joes. Scarlet is very upset about this. She says at one point, you're all nuts. You can't trust these lousy reds. And Clutch tells her, you know what? We got to do what we got to do. And she goes, you can give them a hand I don't wallow with pigs. So uh, Scarlet is is not a big fan of the Russians. And again, this is the eighties. This is when, well, I want to say this was when the Ru- the Russians were our enemies, but they they pretty much are nowadays as well. But back in the eighties during the Cold War, I mean, if there was going to be a movie with foreign bad guys, they were going to be Russians. Period. Plain and simple. Them darn communists. But the Joes and the October Guard. Despite scarlet's objections, they team up and uh the Joe's help them fix the the they help the October guard fix their little six wheeled weird looking vehicle and they uh they head out into the desert where they run across the Iranian border patrol, just a bunch of Iranian soldiers who uh both teams just take out. Nobody knows they say at this point uh as they're firing upon the Iranian soldiers, one of the Joes says. Who the heck fired the first shot? So nobody knows who shot first. But when all the smoke is cleared, none of the Joes are down. None of the October Guard are down. It looks like there's one Iranian soldier, maybe two that 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 are not dead, laying in the sands. But uh, yeah, one of them says, "Well, so much for Iranian American relations." So they eventually find the Cobra stronghold, which is basically just a big rectangle made of steel, steel reinforced concrete, lying on its side out in the middle of the desert. There are no doors. It's just, the walls are smooth and they cannot figure out a way in. Cobra's inside and Cobra Commander is doing his thing. He's got his ceremonial hood on. What is what does he call it? The ceremonial cowl. He's got his ceremonial cowl on and he's 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 uh you know giving a big speech to all his soldiers and talking about that the victory that they had this day uh, will lead them forward into uh, world domination, which is their ultimate goal. But then somebody comes barging in. One of the Cobra, one of the Cobra, uh, uh, Cobra soldiers comes barging in, and he's like, "Cobra Commander, we, we, there are, there are, uh, G.I. Joe's outside." And Cobra Commander's like, "Oh man, I probably shouldn't have put all my eggs in the basket of those two frickin' Cobra soldiers." Rattler and Copperhead, they're idiots. And so he he basically comes up with a plan, which is, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let them in. We're going to let them in to the stronghold. Matter of fact, here's what he says. They are in a hostile country with no support. They must attempt to penetrate our defenses by stealth. We will permit them to enter our stronghold, keep them under close observation, and crush them at our leisure. All units report to battle stations, and so the Joes come up with a little plan. They they pair off into various teams. Uh, three of them will go to the roof, which has these uh, concentric square patterns lines on the roof, and the rest will kind of team up around uh, into four teams around the each wall of the stronghold and try to find a way in, while Clutch stays with the vamp and Clutch. Clutch does not come off very well in these comics, the way Larry Hama writes him. He's he's kind of a chauvinist. And as they're all getting ready to leave, he goes, Hey, Scarlet, you want to touch up your eyeshadow? I'll let you use my rear view mirror. Now, <laughs> he has to say this because, A, he's a chauvinist pig. And, B, this is something that comes up a little later. And uh, they may not have make, made it out alive in this issue were it not for Clutch and his... Chauvinistic behavior. Chauvinistic behavior. So we find out that the roof of this stronghold is basically like a giant hot plate. And the three, it's actually two Joes and one uh, October guard. They're on top of the roof. And Cobra Commander, as he is shedding his ceremonial cowl and donning his battle helmet, he tells one of the Cobra soldiers to burn the folks that are up on the roof. And we find out they don't actually burn. It's just an electrical field that gets activated and it knocks them all out. In the meantime, Clutch is trying to get a hold of everybody that has gone in. He can't get a hold of anybody. And and, uh, it appears as if somebody's sneaking up behind him. And we go inside the stronghold where Stalker and Scarlet and one of the others, Steeler, I think it might be. They're inside, The door a door opens for them, and they know it's a trap, but they go inside anyway, and Stalker is telling Clutch on the radio to, 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 to freaking calm down, and uh, Clutch basically says, Well, I'm sitting tight. Tell Scarlet she should have powdered her nose in my mirror while she... And then static. <coughs> Stalker's like, Clutch, do you read me? Clutch? No answer. We're on our own now. And so the Joes and the October Guard that are inside... The stronghold, they come up against various traps and booby traps and whatnot that are all rather silly. I mean, this part would have worked well in the cartoon because at one point, just these bright red spears come uh, sliding out of the wall at like rocket speed and almost kill them. And then a, a freaking big slab of concrete just kind of slams down in front of them, like tries to crush them and it breaks up into to all this rubble. And then the the little passageway gets flooded by water, and they are being washed toward a giant drain. And uh, they manage to to make their way out. Scarlet takes one of the throwing stars off of the the her glove, her gauntlet, and she sticks it into the side of the wall, into a crack. And she compares it to using it like a mountain climber's piton. Then she uses her crossbow to latch on to the throwing star. And all three of them grabbed the a crossbow and they're able to hold on as the water flows down the drain. And then at one point, they come to a hallway just full of cobras, cobra snakes, not cobra soldiers, the actual King Cobra snakes. And Stalker warns them to stay back because a King Cobra can spit venom a good 10 feet. Flash, that's who it is. Flash is with him. He uh he has a uh, he has protective equipment on, and he's got a shield plate for his his helmet. And so he's like, I'll, "I'll handle the cobras. I've got protective equipment on." And Stalker and Scarlet step back as as he steps forward with his gun. And there's just this really ridiculous looking panel where Flash is standing there with his gun, and he's aiming toward the the freaking uh, snakes. And there's just green venom like being squirted in from off panel, just splashing them in one, two, three, four, five different places. Just this venom, just going quick, 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 just (laughs) just being shot from off screen, basically. And then he just unloads and he kills all of the Cobras. We see them flying apart and pieces of them flying in various directions. And then seeing their smoking carcasses lying on the, the, the pathway floor, the hallway floor. They do run into some Cobra soldiers, and they take them out uh, by a stalker just tossing a grenade at them and blowing them up. So they're dead. And then they use some plastic explosives to, to blow open a door that takes them into the inner sanctum where the RTV is with the big box on the back that's holding the, 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 the pieces of the, the spy craft. And uh, Colonel Breckoff and Horror Show and Dana, I don't, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, the three of the members of the October Guard, they're already there. And they're like, basically, "Ah, nope, it's ours. We got here first. So uh, back off or we're going to kill you. And then that's when Cobra shows up, Cobra Commander. There's like a walkway around this room that the RTV is in. And Cobra Commander steps out with a bunch of soldiers. And they're like, nope, we got you. We're going to kill you. And uh, you know what? I learned from my mistake. We're just going to come on down these steps, all of us with our guns. And we're going to kill you right here and now. And then before he can pull the trigger, however, one of the Cobra soldiers Smacks him in the back of the head because we find out it's Clutch in disguise. And we learn that when Clutch was telling them over the radio that uh, Scarlet can use his mirror to check her powder, powder her nose, he looked in the mirror and he saw a Cobra soldier marching up from behind, sneaking up, all snake-like, and he took him out by bashing him in the head with the uh, the microphone. So Clutch takes Cobra Commander hostage, puts a gun to his head, and he's like, "All right, everybody, let's go." Joes, you're with me. And uh, Colonel Brekoff, he's, he's not happy about this. He has to get this these pieces of this Russian spy craft back or him and his team will be dead. And so he realizes the only thing he can do is eliminate their hostage. So he pulls his gun and he shoots Cobra Commander in the chest. But we learn very quickly that it wasn't Cobra Commander. It was some other guy dressed up like Cobra Commander. And he had a loudspeaker hanging on his chest underneath his uniform and we are then led to believe that the sound coming out of this loudspeaker was so crystal clear that even though it was coming through you know out of a speaker and being filtered through the the costume the the uniform that this guy was wearing that uh Cobra Commander who is in a safe room was a, they they didn't believe they didn't they didn't know they thought it was just some dude's natural of course you know, he de- he is wearing a, a frickin' helmet, so I, I guess I can kind of understand. You, you have to assume that his voice is rather, rather probably sounds like it's coming out of a speaker anyway. So as I'm thinking it, as I'm saying it out loud, it, it, it makes a bit more sense. So the Joes drive away in the RTV. A uh, few of them jump on the RTV. The rest of them, Stalker and Clutch, get into the vamp, and they're getting ready to take off, and Dinah or Dana or whatever her name is, she comes running at the vamp, and she goes, wait, take us with you. And Stalker just reaches out and pushes her over. <laughs> he, just, he just leans out of the vamp. Shove off, sister. This bus is full. And he just pushes her over. And so the issue ends. We're at the uh, Karachi, uh, the port of Karachi in Pakistan. And the Joes have met up with Colonel Hawk. And Hawk tells them, terrific job, Stalker. I guess I can tell you the truth now. We airlifted the real plane out of Afghanistan yesterday. That box you've been hauling is just full of scrap metal and no deposit bottles. You were the red herring, the decoy. Excellent work team. Excellent. It was, full, it was full of scrap metal and no deposit bottles. That's kind of a weird combination. He could have just said trash, but empty, no deposit bottles. I just, I don't know. I find that very, very funny. And. The last panel, as, as Hawk is saying, excellent work, team. Excellent. We see half of his face in the foreground, and in the background, we see Stalker and, and Scarlet and two of the other Joes, and they're, they're not looking very happy. And we are sitting here left to wonder, what's going on with Hawk? Because obviously, he's a traitor. Uh, that's the end of the issue. It was, again, man, these issues are so much fun. And brutal, brutally violent, for what is, in essence, a a child's comic book. And I don't think anybody at the time, most of us who are reading at the time, of course, I was a child. We didn't think of it as a a children's comic book. It was just a a freaking comic book and people died and that's the way it was. And uh, um, it led us into reading other comic books because it it was, you know, the, the 80s stuff aside, take that out of the equation because they don't really hold up today. They just don't. But they were a lot of I mean, they were just very good stories back then. And um, even the art, the art really herb Trimpy, you know, he's somewhat of a he, he's a name I hear a lot, a legend in the field, you could you'd probably say, and uh, just really enjoyed his artwork in this, in this uh, issue. He's done a, a, a few other issues as well, but very solid, very solid, very good storytelling, um, you know, just very uh, classic Marvel House style type of art. Gets the job done. There are, there, there's, there's really no point in this book. There were no panels in this book in which I was either a scratching my head because I couldn't figure out what was going on, or I was just, uh, you know, gagging on how bad it looked. That's everything looked really good. There were no moments when I had to stop, basically, because, you know, an, an artist, if they're doing their job well, they don't have to be flashy. They don't have to, make you pause and and pour over the art and go, oh my gosh, this looks so good. That's not really their job. The job is to tell the story. It's to uh help you to lose yourself in reading the story. And uh, you know, I did that with this issue, um, G.I. Joe number seven. Cover date of January nineteen eighty three, which means it probably hit stands in like uh, October, September, October eighty two, I would have been 10 at the time. Now as I said at the very beginning, my first issue of G.I. Joe was somewhere around issue number twenty five. So I was not reading this as they were coming out. I did, uh, once I really started to collect comics and would go to stores and would go to conventions and 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 I was old enough to drive and could travel and stuff like that. I I really tried hard to get a lot of these back issues. And what I couldn't get, I would I could find trades and whatnot. But so this is not my first time reading through these early issues issues, but it might be my second or third time. And again, they don't hold up. They're fairly ridiculous as far as the technology and some of the story points. And, uh, you know, this crazy freaking steel concrete slab of a stronghold that had, uh, spears and, and water traps and slabs of concrete falling on people and hallways full of King Cobras. I mean, that's, that's all fairly ridiculous, but you know, as a kid, I'm sure if I had been reading this at 10 years old, it probably would have blew my mind. I probably would have thought that that was probably one of the 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 greatest issues of anything I had ever read. And reading it as a as 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 an adult, uh, uh, it's just a lot of fun, and it makes me smile and it makes my my heart feel warm with nostalgia. And with that said, I wanna I want to thank all of you for spending this time with me today. I had fun. Did you? Well, let me know. Send me an email to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and tell me what you thought of the episode, this episode right here. And you know what? If you do, I will read that email out on a future episode. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review and share the episode with a friend. In fact... If you don't ever want to miss an episode, subscribe to the newsletter at justanotherfanboy.substack.com. It's totally free, and you're going to get each and every episode sent directly to your inbox. The theme song for this episode was written and performed by Derek Nybarger of Atomic Zombie Records. Find more of his music at atomiczombierecords.bandcamp.com. And hey, you want to be cool? Join in all the fun over at the Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll not only get the complete warm and fuzzies, knowing that you're helping me support my family, but you're also going to get immediate access to the My Other Podcast podcast that releases every single week, and with rare exception, is only available to my patrons. Join now at patreoncom slash R Or all links will be in the show notes. And with all of that out of the way, join me back here next time where I am going to give you all of my thoughts on the new changes to comiXology, probably. I mean, I do schedule these things, but I'm often letting life change things up on me at the last moment. So really, the next episode could be about anything. But until then, my name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. bye Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job. <laughs> Johnny, catch! Oh, no! Let's tell Mom it was Billy's mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. You'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle.